The Connection Podcast, connecting you to the life of the church community within the parish of Yate and the Froomside Benefice. Welcome to you all this evening. Thank you for dragging yourself off the screens from watching the tennis. Uh, I think one is watching it in the congregation. I can see that already. Um, but um, good evening, good evening, good evening. Uh, my name is Justin. I've got the privilege of being your leader this evening. Uh, but don't worry, I am circled by some amazing people who will take us through this evening for 6.30 praise. Uh, and of course, also welcome if you're listening to this on the Connection podcast. This will be going out at some point this week uh, that will go out as an extra edition. So if you want to find out more about the podcast, then pop over to yateparish.org forward slash the connection. So if this is your first time coming to the 6.30 Praise, then welcome. Uh, and if you're a regular, then welcome back. Uh, please do look around. If there's anyone around you that obviously is brand new, then please do welcome them as they've just arrived. So how has everyone's week been? Any good news that people would like to share? Because it's been wet, it's been cold, and it's very easy to be a bit sad, of course, this week. But any good news people would like to share? I don't have to water the garden. You don't have to water the garden, see? I've been saying the same thing. So I'm not saying it's too much water now, but we're never happy, aren't we? We're never happy. Well, I hope in your little worlds you find some good news. And if it's not been a great week, then you know what, you're in the right place, because we are here now together as a 630 Praise community to help each other, support each other, and look at some of the great stuff that happens in our lives that we can focus on, rather than the miserable, cold, wet, miserable weather that we're experiencing right now. So, uh, let's start off just thanking the helpers that have made this evening uh, happen. Uh, the Coffee UK, thank you. Howell has uh, broken away from his annual leave. He uh, quickly realised that he was on tonight and is here, so I hope Egypt was well and good for you. Doesn't look very tanned, but he's obviously had a good time. Oh, it wasn't raining for me, mate. Wasn't raining for you, no. And the whole of Europe are here as well, they're a little bit toasty. But um, uh, yeah, thank you, Hal. And of course, I'm surrounded by Ian and of course the 630 Praise Band, who will be taking us through the act of worship through song as we go through this evening. So as we know, we are deep into the study of Ephesians. That's a beautiful letter of uh, telling uh, Christians the great riches uh, and inheritance and fullness in Jesus Christ. And tonight we're going to be popping into Ephesians 6, uh, 10 to 20. Uh, so if you are going to be opening your Bible or switching them on, at least then you know where it is later on. And tonight we have the wonderful Paul, who is going to be our primary speaker. Paul, would you like to come up and just give us a bit of a... Uh, a spoiler uh, or an introduction of what your talk is going to be this evening. Okay, so tonight uh, it's Ephesians 6, uh, 10 to 20, as Justin has said, and uh, we're going to be looking at the Christian's PPE. Uh, in, the, uh, in the Bible it talks about Christian in complete armour, but I think in uh, post-COVID times we are more familiar with the term PPE, so we're going to use the Christian's PPE uh, as our guiding uh, principle tonight when we look at, at this chapter and what does it mean to stand firm? What does it mean uh, to stand 
uh, firm in God's power and with his armour or PPE on. That's what we're going to look at tonight. So it's very intriguing. As an NHS worker, when you say PPE, it gives me a, a cold sweat. <laughs> not again, please. Um, however, I'm very pleased that it's not going to be that this evening. However, look forward to that. Uh, okay, thank you, Paul. So let's just take a moment to pause and just centre our scattered brains and minds from the past week. Acknowledge that God is with us right now. Uh, and through the Holy Spirit, we can just feel his warmth. And I'll just read some words from Matthew that I feel is appropriate to some people this evening. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Then come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Lean the, uh, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the message version of Matthew 11. So let's pray. God, we gather here in your presence. Father, we long for more of you. Jesus, we place you at the centre. Holy Spirit, come and fill our time together. Help us to be fully present here, right now, in our 6.30 praise community. Be fully present to your word, to one another, and to the world you love. Amen. And I'll hand over to you. Praise God's name, lift his name up in, in the eight. Okay, so good. 
Um, and we're going to start with the greatest day in history.
I'm singing this song often, but um, a simple worship song I simply live for you. Say the word, and I will sing.
Thank you, Van. A fantastic opening set. Uh, Paul, would you like to come on? If you're happy, I'll just pray for you if that's okay. That's fine. Fantastic. Let's pray. Father God, we are eternal grateful that we get together every week as the community of 630 Parade. But I ask you right now to be with Paul as he talks uh, the, the, the talk that he has prepared this evening. And I ask you to give him the power and the spirit to uh, allow us to hear your word uh, and to hear the message that we need to hear this evening. I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as we said just now, um, we're coming to the end of this series on Ephesians. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed going through this letter week by week and working our way through it, working out what it means for us today. In fact, Ephesians, I would say, is probably one of my favourite books of the New Testament, along with Philippians and Colossians. Um, a little trio of books that I keep coming back to when I need a bit of encouragement uh, and uh, a sort of warm spiritual hug, if you like. Every so often we're in need of those sorts of things. And I would encourage you, if you've got the opportunity uh, over the next few weeks, to take time out and to reread this letter. Or if you've got the Version Bible app, listen to David Suchet reading it to you, uh, um, which might result in you falling asleep, but because um, <laughs> he's got that sort of voice. But it's, it's worth listening to somebody read it carefully and uh, in, in a way that makes it perhaps come up a bit more alive. Now, if, if, if I was in the university, I'd come to the end of the module, I'd be sort of doing a pop quiz now. I'd be sort of saying, well, okay, we've almost finished the module, let's just go through, make sure that we've got the key learning uh, objectives embedded in our brains, and we understand what's going on. So get a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that tonight. Um, imagine if we did, though. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? It would be an interesting experiment. Let's take a, just a brief review of what this letter is all about. In, in essence, Paul has been unfolding for us God's purpose, which is to create a new community that's come about through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And within this community, there are to be no barriers, no divisions. There's a degree of inclusivity that far surpasses anything that the media uh, could, could describe from today. There's no divisions based on race or gender, no divisions based on income or employment or social status. And as we heard last week, there is in this new community to be an attitude of mutual submission. Submission one to the other. All are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this new society, Paul says, is located within the church, with Christ as its head. What a marvellous manifesto. What a radical manifesto, as we heard last week. What a radical change in direction for many people hearing it for the first time, and for us too, as well. And then we come to chapter 6 and verse 10. And Paul, as it were, brings it all together with a closing section where there's a change in tone and a change in style. So if you've got a Bible, open it up, turn it on, and we'll have a look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10, uh, 10 to 20. Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may, able to, may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to, to this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and pray. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fiercely, as I should. Quite a change in tone, I think you'd agree, if you've been following Ephesians through. Quite a change in tone. And here Paul says, finally, finally, in view of all I've been saying, finally there is something that you need to do. Some action that you need to take. It's almost like, you know, we get to the end of a meeting and somebody writes the minutes up and they give the action column, you know. And I used to dread that because in the following meeting there would be the bits underlined in red. And there were usually things that I should have done and forgotten to do. Yeah, but he's almost like getting to that action column in his letter. This is, these are things that you need to do. And notice the language that he uses. The imperatives. Stand, he says. Stand your ground. Stand firm. What does that put you in mind of? Well, it, to me, it conveys an image of action, of readiness. You see, the Christian faith, Christianity, is not passive. As Christians, we're not to be passive. Rather, we are expected to be active. To take the initiative to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul is very much concerned about the stability of the Christians in Ephesus. He wants to be certain that they have a stability that's based on their confidence in God. On a reliance upon him and his word. You see in Paul's mind a wobbly Christian is in a dangerous place. Their prey to the enemy that he talks about in these verses. The devil and all his angels. You know, we've all watched those David Attenborough programs. And in one episode, at least one episode in the series, there's a, there's a, a, a long series of shots about some wobbly little chick or wobbly little uh, impala or whatever. And, and they're prey to something that's lurking around. And we all watch it, hoping and hoping and hoping that they'll escape. Yeah, We're all aware of that. Well, that's the same thing. Paul is saying, look, I don't want you to be wobbly. I don't want you to fall prey 
to the evil one. Because Paul says our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I'm sure that we're all conscious of some of the global evils in our world. Warfare, terrorism, racial injustice, the, the plight of refugees, issues of poverty and starvation, environmental damage. We're aware of corruption in government, leading to all sorts of other issues. But we're also aware that we face struggles in our own lives. The struggle against temptation, struggle against sin in many of its guises. All sorts of struggles. And the Bible is realistic about this. The Bible doesn't paint a rosy picture about what it means to be a Christian. In the Old Testament, we read about the physical battles against evil kingdoms and evil people. And in the New Testament, this battle is described as here against spiritual forces of evil. Now, how do we respond to that knowledge that this is a battle, there is a battle? One response might be to retreat, to simply pull back, to be afraid of what we read here, and to pull back into ourselves and hide from that reality. Another response might be to become so interested or so intrigued with the depiction of the enemy that we become bound up with that and have no time to think about anything else. And of course there's a third response. A response that sees all this talk about spiritual forces as being something that belongs to another era. We're modern. We're educated. We don't believe in these phantoms anymore. And in taking that view, the view so often promoted in films and in TV, we fall right into the devil's trap, don't we? To get people not believing in you is the perfect way to catch them unawares. To catch them out. What's Paul's response to the forces of evil? There they are in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord, he says, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You see, no human power alone can stop the devil's schemes. But God can. In fact, he's already disarmed the devil. He did that at the cross. That's what the cross is all about, amongst other things. Disarming the devil. So we're to become strong, we're to be empowered, not by building up our own strength, but by relying on God's strength, accessing it by being close to him, by being close to Jesus. By being close to him, we receive his spirit, his power that is in work, at work in us day by day. This spirit gives us power to live the radical way that Paul's been talking about. But there's a second command, isn't there? Not only are we to be strong in the Lord, we are to put on the full armour of God so that we can stand firm. Notice that Paul says that twice in this passage. In a very short space of time, he says twice, put on the full armour of God. He's hammering the point home. Get the armour on. Or in modern terms, get your PPE on. Make sure you've got your PPE on. Now, of course, we're all familiar with PPE, aren't we, in this post-Covid world, 
We, were, we lived through COVID. We were aware of COVID. In fact, we all became experts in PPE during COVID, didn't we? Yeah? When we donned our masks and went to Tesco's, look at the size of her mask. How are they going to get away with that? Hardly worth wearing. Why are they wearing it like that? Oi, it goes over your nose, don't forget. In fact, my daughter had a mask which said, it goes over your nose. <laughs> and of course, we became aware of the need for reliable suppliers of, of PPE, didn't we? Dodgy deals with dodgy suppliers producing PPE that was not fit for purpose became a talking point during COVID, didn't it? And it still is today. But notice that the provenance of this PPE is indisputable. It's the full armour of who? It's the full armour of God. It is God who does the supplying. And indeed, it's God who does the designing. There are no questions here about whether the armour is fit for purpose or not, is there? And notice that one last thing about this injunction. We're to put on the full armour of God. Notice that? The full armour of God. One of the problems I'm told with PPE often is that people only wear bits of it. They wear some of it. They wear the hard hat, but they wear it on the back of their head. Because it looks cool. Like the, ad, the guy in the advert, in the Coca-Cola advert. They have gloves and eye protection, but they don't wear them because it makes them feel hot and uncomfortable. But it's no good, is it, if you do that? It doesn't function. It doesn't work. If you don't wear the PPE to the specification required. And it's the same with the armour of God. Outlined here by the Apostle Paul. So how are we to understand what Paul is saying here. When he tells us to put on the full armour of God. One way of understanding what Paul is saying. Is to think of it in terms of adopting certain habits. That will help us to stand firm in our day-to-day -day living. Because that's what Paul is talking about, isn't it? How are you going to stand firm on Monday morning? How are you going to stand firm in the week that lies ahead? Now, we all have certain habits that, in many cases, define us. I know I do. Just ask my wife and kids. They'll tell you. But we also have habits that benefit us, that make us feel better, that make us better people, those things that we know are doing us good. How might we understand this armour then in terms of habits? Holy habits. Well, first of all, we've got the belt of truth. We are to be people of truthfulness and integrity. People of truthfulness and integrity. It's no... Uh, no accident that this is the first thing that he says in this list. People of truthfulness and integrity. We are to practice truthfulness. It's Mark Twain who once said that if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. We've all been there, haven't we? If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. There was that phrase uh, that was uh, developed, uh, I, think, I think it was during the Falklands War. Being economical with the truth. Yeah? We are to be truthful. We are to practice truthfulness. But not only are we to be truthful, 
we're also to focus on the truth of God's word. So practice truthfulness. That's the first habit. Practice truthfulness. Reminding yourself of the truthfulness of God's word. And then he says, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what does righteousness mean? Righteousness means that we have been made right with God. We are right with God. And that is a great assurance when doubt and uncertainty comes in. Isn't it? We are safe with God. Jesus says in John chapter 10, I give them, that is, those who follow him, eternal life, and they'll never perish. So no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's a great promise, isn't it? That's a great statement. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, he says, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. That's a fabulous promise, isn't it? We are safe with God. We are safe with God because He has made us righteousness, righteous. Our position in God and in Jesus Christ is unassailable. So the second habit, remind ourselves of that. Remind ourselves of the fact that we, are, we have this righteousness of God. And then he says this, the third thing. Wear the shoes or the boots of the gospel of peace. Now shoes are pretty important, aren't they? One of my daughters this week discovered how important they were when she was walking to work and she found her feet wet. Yeah? Because there was a hole in the shoe, which she hadn't realised was there until it rained. Shoes are important. They get you to places you can't get without them. In the book of Nahum, it says this, Look on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. I remember when a friend of ours was becoming a missionary, the guy leading the service said, got him, to, got him to sit down and put his feet up in the air. And he said, look, look at his feet. Pray for his feet as he travels around as a missionary, giving the good news, sharing the good news. As you move about this week, you carry the good news of the gospel to places only you can go to. Only you can go to some of the places you go to. So let's do that. Let's practice the, the habit of carrying the good news. Of making Jesus visible. You see, the devil hates the good news. Because it has the power to change lives for good. Hence the need for good, strong footwear. Wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. And then he talks about the shield of faith. Flaming arrows, he says, need to be resisted. And what better way of resisting them than practicing the habit of faith? Hebrews 11 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence and assurance, not in ourselves, but in God and his promises to us. That will help us when doubt and false guilt and fear threatens to overwhelm us. You see, faith holds on to God. 
So we practice faith by regularly practicing those things that build up our faith. Prayer. Bible reading. Meeting together like this. Encouraging one another. The shield of faith. Practice faith. Practice faith. And then the helmet of salvation. The helmet is an important part of any armour. The helmet protects the head. I'm told that Roman soldiers' helmet could withstand an axe or a hammer blow. What habit are we thinking about here? Well, I think this might refer to the protection of our minds. You see, so often our minds, our thoughts, can cause us to stray, can lead to doubt and uncertainty. So we protect our minds by focusing on what is good. Paul, writing to the Philippians, says this, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's a good habit, isn't it? It's a good habit. I, I practice this one. Okay. When things get a bit, because I have a tendency to catastrophize. Yeah. Okay. I have a tendency to think everything's going to go all wrong. I'm, I am the classic Eeyore. Right. It's all going to go horribly wrong. <coughs> so I practice what Paul says here. I think about some of these things, those things that are good. Those are admirable. Not like Mary Poppins. Oh, not Mary Poppins. Um, Julie Andrews in that Sound of Music. Not like that. Not, but like that. not in that way. But you think about what God says. Some of God's promises. What's God's goodness to you? And so on. Whatever is admirable. Think about such things. You see, we win the battle of the mind by practicing the habit of right thinking. But also by practicing the habit of being aware of what we're watching and what we're listening to. Has this happened to you? Where you've watched something? Or you've heard something? And it just gets into your mind? In a not very nice way? Practice the habit of right thinking. Guard your eyes and ears. And then he says... Sixthly, the sword of the spirit. This is the only offensive bit in the, in, in the whole armour, isn't it? Everything else is defensive. This is offensive. The, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, again, we see the habit of, uh, of Bible reading, of meditating God, on God's word, filling our minds with the word of God. Think about when Jesus was in the wilderness and how he was tempted how did he respond? He responded by re reciting God's word, by using God's word as a sword of the spirit. And then there's one final bit, which is often not seen as being part of the armour, but I think it is. Pray in the spirit, he says. Pray in the spirit. In all of these things, we keep praying. In the message, it says this, in the same way, Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard. 
and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep, keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Pray in the Spirit. Seven holy habits with prayer as the underpinning element. But practicing good habits is a lifelong exercise, isn't it? It's not something that you do just occasionally. Good habits can quickly be forgotten if we fail to practice them. Ask anyone who's trying to lose weight. But it's not a solitary exercise, is it? We're in this together. We're in this together. It's our shared experience. Our shared journeying that sustains us. The other day I was reading Psalm 84. Part of my daily readings. And, uh, <clears throat> in verses 5 and 7 it says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. We're on a pilgrimage. We may not be aware of it, but there we are. Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, walking together. And then the psalmist says this, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. And that's just a marvellous picture, isn't it? They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. That's the journey. That's the warfare. We go from strength to strength until one day we're no longer wearing armour. We're dressed in robes of glory. We've reached the destination. What a marvellous picture. What a wonderful image to take into the week that lies ahead. Now I've got a little bit of an activity for us to do. We've got a few minutes at the end. I don't know what sort of week's in front of you, what kind of week you've got. But if you can get into a little group and share, if you're able, some of the things that you're looking forward to. Some of those things that might be challenging. And then turn those into prayers for each other. To pray now and in the week that lies ahead. We start practicing that praying for one another. Uh, and, and encouraging one another as we live out our lives. As we fight this battle. Okay. you go then get yourself into some groups uh, we'll give you about 10 minutes to kind of delve into your task for this evening I, I hate to draw people's very constructive and wonderful conversation to a close, but it is that time where we'll be here all night.
And it's one of the great things about 6.30 praise, isn't it, that we get to see each other and communicate and share some of the good news of our life. Uh, and just talk to people, which is fantastic. Um, so I'm just going to re-invite the band back up to take us through the final set. Thank you very much. First of these is great is your faithfulness, but not great is thy faithfulness. Not the, uh, the hymn, but rather the uh, Martin Smith of uh, Delirious version. Great your faithfulness, O God my Father, O God my friend.
great God is. We have seen great community. We've seen great music. And of course, we've listened to a great talk. So let's just give our appreciation for everything that's happened this evening. I'm very aware that topics this evening, and in like any evening, if there, it, it can provoke thoughts and a need for prayer. So if you do have any uh, need for prayer and requests and need to talk to people, then please just reach out to me and I can signpost you to the appropriate people that can help you uh, through that journey. Uh, so yeah, massive thank you to the band and thank you to Paul. And, and ultimately, the sending really is, is to have a wonderful week. Uh, celebrate the great things that happen in your life uh, and to be active in your faith this week and ensuring that you put on your full God suit or, as Paul said, your full God PPE as you engage in this week. So let's just, uh, let's just pray and then we will finish. Father God, you saw it fit for us to gather in this place and worship you. It is not because we're perfect people but because you're an awesome God that is worthy of our praise and worship. Thank you for making us worthy to stand before you to worship you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we close this celebration, may our worship be acceptable before you this evening. And thank you for the wonderful time that we have shared. May we continue in your word and use it for the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' name, we believe and pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you next week.